who's Jeff McFetcher to somebody they didn't know? He is a man of many talents. Foremost, he's an artist. You'll see a Pepsi billboard, an Apple Watch face, but you don't know his name necessarily. It's Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5. Dan Covert joins me, artist and director of Jeff McFetridge, Drawing a Life, his first feature film, which debuted at South by Southwest and took home the Audience Award. You can catch him here at the Edmonton International Film Festival for a Q&A following the screening at the Mutard Theatre at the Stanley Milner Library on Saturday, September 23rd at 6.30. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, we're so happy to have you and be a part of the show today. I'm really excited to learn about your film. To start off, I just wanted to get you to fill us in on your journey towards telling Jeff's story. What drew you into his work and his approach to art and life? Yeah, I was trained as a graphic designer in the early 2000s, and Jeff was kind of this icon of graphic design. So I was familiar with his work, and then he started pushing more into the art world as I started pushing more into kind of the filmmaking world. So I was aware of his work and, and a fan of it through afar. We did a short film together in 2015, connected to a gallery show that he did. And I felt like I just kind of scratched the surface and there was a larger story to tell. I got contracted in 2019 to make another short film about Jeff. And there's like probably 30, 40 short films about him online. He's very ubiquitous. So I was like, we could do a short film and we did do another short film. But I was like, there could be something bigger. So I challenged him of like, maybe there's a larger story to tell. And he didn't say yes or no to the larger story. We just kind of kept coming back and it grew into the film. It is today. It's pretty wild that you get to connect on that level with art. Why do you think people gravitate? so much towards his work. What is it do you think that people really enjoy about it? I think on the surface, it looks very simple and it grabs you because of the simplicity of the geometry. But I think if you dig deeper, there's a lot more of an emotional core to it. And the themes that he's depicting in the art also resonate. So I think on both a formal and then a conceptual and emotional level, it kind of operates on both. Not a lot of stuff does that. It also uses the language of advertising in a way He's flipping it and bringing it into the context of art because he is a graphic designer. He does come from a graphic design background. He's worked for years as a graphic designer. So he understands kind of the semiotics and kind of the, the functionality of that graphic design language. And he's kind of morphing it and using it to communicate a little bit more esoteric or emotional ideas. I really found the opening sequence of your film really drew me in, bringing his world into the real world. We see these people sitting there. What kind of inspired you to build that imagery to start us off with the film? I knew we needed to like introduce him because a lot of people are super familiar with his work from a visual standpoint, but they might not know that he did it. So you know, his artwork is everywhere from Warby Parker murals to Spike Jones films, Sophia Coppola films, and Apple animation. So it's pretty ubiquitous, but the mass audience isn't like, oh, Jeff McFetchers did that. Although they may be aware of his work. So I knew very succinctly in the, in the beginning, if we could introduce him and show kind of like this greatest hit montage and have all these people kind of say things about him that would kind of resonate with people. So that was the business of the beginning of the film. But then I also wanted it to be a little bit more artful and esoteric before that part. 
is a little bit ethereal and you see his artwork kind of out in the world in a weird, mysterious way. So it's kind of that balance of communication and then also a little bit more poeticism. It's just almost like inherent in his art. So we're using that first bit of the film in a way, almost like as he does with his art, where he kind of grabs you in with the communication, but then there's something more there. It must be interesting for him to exist in this space where a lot of his stuff is very well known, but we don't know Jeff. Is that kind of why you're looking at bringing him to an audience is just to kind of say, this is his art. This is who he is. And he's very interesting. That's where I started. And I think, you know, a 20 year fascination or fandom with somebody's work is where I started. And then the more I dug in, I was kind of expecting him to be this like cliche of like a jerk or like a, a moody artist, you know, because I think behind this facade of a, a nice guy, a family man, an athlete. So I was expecting to find this like darkness underneath that. But I think I know that it's the opposite. There's like this positivity and this ability to understand and know himself that he strives for. It is almost an example of how to like live a life in a positive way. So I went in being really drawn in by his art and I left being fascinated by him as a person and how he to the world. And the film became, certainly it's about his art, his career and his trajectory, but it's also about how he makes decisions and how he moves and has grown a career. And then the audience can use that as a conduit, which I think a lot of people have responded to is like, oh, how could I look at my life differently and understand that I can make decisions a little bit more intensely in my own life. So as the film evolves, it kind of uses Jeff as a Trojan horse to talk about these bigger ideas, how one find fulfillment in life. And Jeff is very good at being deliberate about that. There's certainly challenges with going through life. And there's some talk about how essentially some artists take their art and then they kind of destroy it by almost working through problems with drinking and smoking. And like you said, Jeff, he's a different individual and in that he approaches it in a different way. Would you say that? For sure. And I think a lot of art is about understanding who you are for better or worse and not getting in the way of that and letting that kind of exist in the work. So, I mean, the work is a function of who he is, you know? So he gains a lot of, in his artwork, through clarity, through understanding, through understanding himself, through mechanizing his life with a system of structures, but then also blowing all of that off to be very free and out in the world and going on trips. So he's kind of seared out and held this way of working, which is both how he lives his life and how he makes the art. It's all kind of like one in the same a little bit. It certainly seems that way looking at it. Your story goes so much deeper in terms of looking at some of those important questions that we all ask ourselves. I don't want to give it entirely away. So maybe one question you were trying to explore in terms of using him to bring a message to the audience. What is one that stands out to you or a question that you believe you were trying to answer? Yeah, I think this universal question of like, how do you live a fulfilling life? And I think that's a question Jeff asked himself. And it's certainly a question that I ask myself. I always joke because it's like, during the making of the film, Jeff turned 50 and I turned 40. So it's a movie about a guy turning 40, making a movie about a guy turning 50. So it's like, I'm looking at him for answers while I'm also trying to see how those answers apply to my life. And that's not really in the movie, like overtly, but it certainly is under the surface of trying to find an avenue to lead a fulfilling life. And it's like, you wouldn't necessarily base your life off how Jeff lived his life, but you could take a step back and be like, 
oh, I could also live my life a little bit more intensely to what makes me happy. He's very good at navigating through those decisions and saying no to things, doubling down on the things that bring him joy, which I think we all get caught up in, you know, like obligation versus what makes me happy, you know? Absolutely. That is such a universal thing, right? A, a lot of people in their lives look towards what feeds me, but typically it's after work or you get to play later where it sounds like Jeff's kind of found that secret. Do you feel like you're moving towards that? For sure. And I would say if you asked him if he's there yet, he would say no. And I think I also would say no for myself personally. But what I've learned from watching him over a bunch of years is it's a constant process of refining owning, tweaking, experimenting to kind of craft. It's not a static thing. What works for you this month might three years from now not work for you. But I think if it's an aggregate going towards the right direction, that to me is success versus being sedentary and stuck in something you don't want to do. All this stuff like gets super self-help here she fast. And like, I don't want it to be, but I think ultimately, yeah, if we can all live life a little bit better, a little bit more fulfilled, like that is what we're all doing here, you know? I think, you're tackling universal themes. We all want to understand where we're going if we're doing the right thing. That's definitely an interesting thing. You're listening to Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5. I'm talking to Dan Covert, artist and director of the film, Jeff McFetridge, Drawing a Life, which you can catch at the Mutart Theater in Stanley Milner Library on Saturday, September 23rd at 6.30, which is part of the Edmonton International Film Festival. I noticed in your art, you have an interest in language and you do graphic design as well. What language do you think Jeff speaks in terms of his art? It's one of the things I talked about before, the idea of kind of taking this self-constructed language from advertising, from depicting human connection, basically drawn in a way that feels very graphic in a sense where it circles and squares and simple geometry. Everything's rooted in drawing and basically hiding these larger messages within them. And some of them are overt and some of them are a little more ethereal. All of that comes from this drawing practice. He basically starts most days by drawing for hours in these books and kind of like goes through and finds things through that semi-subconscious process and then runs them through this system where they output paintings eventually at the end of the system. He talks a bit about control. And it's something that I've noticed with artists. I had a conversation with two animators who talked about like, there is some beauty in being solitary. And do you feel like for yourself and maybe for Jeff, you feel there is some control in creating art and building it in a way that speaks to you, but also speaks to other people? I think for sure. I don't want to speak for Jeff in any way, but I mean, through a lot of the conversations we had together, I think a lot of his art is about that process of the control. Things happen outside of that world. And then you go to this place to kind of deal with it. You're not in one-to-one, I'm mad, so I'm going to draw. It's just like, you're at a table or he's at this table for hours, like letting his mind run, working through stuff, whether or not you see it on the page or not is somewhat subjective. But I think he uses the language of trying to process things. And as someone also who has an art practice, I can very much relate. I know what it feels like to be around in a room with a painting or a piece of paper for 15, 20 hours, like working through something. It's almost a form of meditation, like flow state of being in something as a way to process things. It's really quite interesting in terms of how that process works for 
yourself. There's a lot to unpack in creation, but you also in art reach out to people. Do you find that it helps when you reach out to people when you're creating that art to take a look at it in terms of building that? Or is it this push and pull for you? I think all these processes involve somewhat of looking inward, but then at a certain point, you need to show it to the world. And whether that's in a one-to-one conversation with a friend, in the case of a fine art object, or in the case of a film like this, bunch of screenings with large audiences who brutalized the film and gave notes, you know what I mean? And then tons of friends doing one-to-one feedback sessions. So I think it's this balance of, in all these practices of really putting in the work and trying to make something you're happy with, and then going out in the world and seeing how people react to it. And you could ignore or you could listen to that advice, but I think that process, that dialogue and that balance of individual process versus some feedback, I think we all have different avenues in our work, but super fruitful to have some perspective, whether or not you listen to it is up to you, you know? And I think that's like one of the interesting, challenging parts as a director is I worked on this thing for four years. So I think we were editing it for three. So, and the movie changed quite drastically in that process. And a lot of that was because we listened to Jeff and how he and his story changed versus my assumptions at the beginning of this film versus where we had edited out. And then also showing it to people and seeing what resonated or what did or didn't communicate to them. Like things, I think in the beginning, you're dealing with a lot of different themes, maybe like 14, 15, we honed it down to like seven or eight, you know, the process of what's communicating, what's not communicating, what's resonating with audiences and trying to really simplify it and hone it. And then think about the art of the film. I've done probably a hundred short films in my life. And then all of a sudden telling a feature film is a very different task. So trying to be very clear what that arc is that I'm trying to bring audiences on was super important. And that process of feedback sessions with audiences really helped bring that out. You talked a bit about being a feature film, your first. What was the big difference for you in terms of building a feature film versus some of these shorter films? What were the challenges for you? When you're making a short, you don't need to worry about an arc. You can, and certain shorts have arcs, but a lot of other shorts are like one scene. Or when you shoot like a doc short, normally you shoot for one to five days. You take all the best bits. And then you get rid of all the stuff that's not good. <laughs> and like, there might be an arc in that. It might just be the best bit, but you can't really do that for a film, you know, for a feature film at a certain point you could, but it's a little bit more esoteric and weird. There is a clear distinction in this process. If I wanted to make an esoteric art film, or if I wanted to make a film that could resonate with bigger audiences. And I made the distinction of trying to make a film that would resonate with bigger audiences. And the moment you do that. You structure it differently than if you were making the other artistic film, which can be a little bit more nonlinear. So while there are nonlinear elements of our film, we do have a backbone of the film that is quite linear as well. That was a process. I worked with Spike Jones to help develop the film. He came on, I think at the end of year two. So we worked together for a year and in a bit, maybe. And it wasn't a ton, but it was five, six conversations. And in those conversations brought up a lot about the stuff we're talking about, of of art, character development, who are the characters, how is Jeff perceived, how do I want him to be perceived? He has a personal relationship with Jeff. So we had a dialogue back and forth on how he sees Jeff versus how I see Jeff. And he gave me like a boot camp of what it means to have an arc in the film. And he wasn't like, this is how you do it. He was asking questions that yielded me facilitated answers that were important to my film. And that was a huge process. And I think that's part of being a director is listening to all these different inputs 
from all these different people in finding your way out of the forest while still being proud of the thing you made. Because you don't want to totally couch out of everyone else's wishes of what the film should be. You, you need to have a backbone about it. But then you also don't want to be so stubborn that you don't listen to feedback that very important people are coming with fresh perspectives. It was an interesting task and also awesome that I was able to work at it over years. You know, where this is short, you might work on for weeks. So interesting how that can change things, but you also have to be true to your vision. You talked about working with Spike, you know, you had limited conversations. Did you feel like there was something interesting about that relationship or building that? Oh God, yeah. The movie would not be where it is without that conversation and dialogue that I had with him. When he was available, he was super available and very kind and super patient, respected my vision, but then also gave me super solid and sage advice, both in a holistic sense and then in a mechanical sense, even like on the music of a lot of the music we have pretty early on, but it didn't, at least melodically, but it wasn't the function of it, like fingers on a guitar or like hands on a piano. Like a lot of that came out of the dialogue with Spike that he felt that it should be a little bit more handmade. And we kind of push it that realm because Jeff's work is so handmade. So from like very technical stuff like that to the larger arc stuff, characterizations, there was earlier versions of the film where Jeff's wife wasn't in it as much. And we kind of like pushed to have her be a bigger character. So a great outside perspective in that regard. Uh, and then I had a bunch, probably four or five friends along the way who, who also equally helped as a sounding board, kind of bouncing it off. And then we did two really big private test screenings where 50 people came and sat in a room. And this was advice that Spike gave and just don't let them know that I'm there and have a moderator up on the stage and just listening to the brutal comments they've said about our movie, both like in person and then on these surveys. And that was, I love that stuff, man. I went to art school. So I like thrive on feedback work. I think a lot of people shrink and find it demoralizing or humiliating. I was just like, give it to me. Like, if it can be better, I want it to be better. It's always nice when you have that one person in the room that has a different perspective that gives you something that you just didn't see. It's really interesting how that relationship helped you in that way. Yeah, and it was great because he pushed. When I first showed him the film, I kind of thought we were done. And I was like, I would like tweak some stuff here and there, but we like really revamped it. Like based on his feedback. And I think having somebody of that caliber believe in me, what a gift in life, you know what I mean? And you don't want to let those people down. And you don't want to let Jeff down. I don't want to let all his fans down. And I'm certainly not making a puff piece. I have to have my vision. It's not like hagiography, but yeah, having these dudes of this caliber is definitely a blessing and gave me a lot of perspective and pushed me to be the best version of myself and bring the best to the film. Just wanting to bring it back to the screening here for yourself. What do you want audiences to take away if they come to see the film here out at the Mutart Theater? Yeah, I think the two biggest things were to appreciate Jeff's work and understand all the amazing stuff he's putting on the world. I think that would be goal one. And goal two would be inspired to take a look at your own life and be like, am I living the life that I want to lead? And what are the decisions I'm making to, to do that? And seeing this example of this guy who's very successful and how he's taken this decision-making process into his own hands to kind of leave us until in life. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's been an incredible conversation and certainly looking forward to seeing it, being that it's 
premiered at South by Southwest. That's got to be a dream too, hey? Yeah, man. I had a short there in like early 2000s. I forget one, but in the 2000s. And then to come back like 10, 12 years later was huge. Here. And then to win the audience award was very unexpected and super fulfilling. Amazing. Well, you can catch his film out at the Muturb Theater in the Stanley Milner Library. That's Saturday evening, September 23rd as part of the Edmonton International Film Festival. It's Dan Covert. He is the director and an artist. You should check out his work as well. It's Moving Radio on CGSR 88.5. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent. He's like a hero or like a sun master within the creative industry. If I want to communicate something in a new, fresh way, I think of Jeff. It's almost like he's an inventor of how to communicate. Everyone's kind of like desperately trying to be Jeff. Then no one's quite hitting the mark. He's just done everything his own way. He hasn't listened to anyone or anything except what feels right and true to him.